What is social emotional learning? In its simplest form, social emotional learning is how we interact, communicate, and respond to each other. And under that broad umbrella, there are a myriad of descriptions depending on the environment. But in the most simplest form for the everyday person, social emotional learning is how we communicate, respond, and interact. Did we give someone the side eye? Did we do it intentionally? Or it just appeared that way? What was someone else perceiving when we didn't need for them to perceive it? And then how do we communicate our true intentions? Imagine, if you will, feeling more connected to yourself, better understanding what motivates you, what makes you tick, even what triggers you. What if there were a way to help us tap into our boundaries, our choices, and our emotional intelligence in a way that improves our relationships, especially the relationship with ourselves? Oh, but there is. According to life coach and speaker, Dr. Marilyn Simmons Bow, people with strong social emotional skills are better able to cope with everyday challenges and benefit academically, professionally, and socially. In this episode, Dr. Simmons helps us understand social-emotional learning and use it to better our lives and ourselves. I'm Jackie McDougall, and this is The Grown-Ass Woman's Guide. More and more women are joining book clubs these days as a way to share ideas and connect with other women. But what about a pod club? For women who love to discuss podcasts. Cool, right? Enter the Grown-Ass Woman's Guide Pod Squad, a free monthly virtual event where we can chat about all things the Grown-Ass Woman's Guide, bring questions, comments, topic ideas, and strong opinions on recent episodes. Some months will include a special guest from the podcast. It's totally free to join. Visit grownasswoman.guide forward slash episode 158 to RSVP space is limited. Be a part of the pod squad. I would love to see you there. Social emotional learning. It's a term that's been around since the 60s, but in practice, we've been experiencing it since the day we were born. Social emotional learning initially is learned at our very first social interaction. The point at which our mom comes to the crib and goes, cuckoo, beat the room. That's social emotional learning. When we start going out to play groups and interacting with other toddlers, that's social emotional learning. Every aspect of our life is social emotional learning. It's a new buzz term, but it has always been with us. In one of my most recent publications, I referred to the fact that my kindergarten teachers, my primary school teachers way back in the 60s, they used social emotional learning but there was not a term for it. Case in mm. point, if a young child drops a toy and we want to ensure that the child understands that it's not the right thing to do, here's social emotional learning as an exa- using that as an example. If we pick up the toy and give it to the baby and go, don't you drop this again, don't you drop it again, we have communicated, responded, and interacted in such a way that the baby thinks that it's a game. So what is the baby going to do? It's going to drop that toy again. Right. But if we say it in a much more firm voice, don't drop this toy again, then the baby understands that it's not something they're Okay. And so 
what happens when there are babies who drop the toy again, and then they grow up to be grown ass women who drop the toy again? <laughs> well, that's exactly why we have such a cacophony of confusion with all the grown ass women, right? You know, I say to people every single day, if we as grown ass women would step back and just say, wait, what did I just say without intending to say it? Or what did I just communicate without intending to communicate it? And then if we don't self-check that way, if someone else checks us and say, you know, I didn't like the way you said this, or I didn't want like the way you looked at me. If we as grown-ass women would just accept enough to hear the other person out, the nine times out of ten, there's some nip rolling and eye movements in. Uh-uh, what are you talking about? I didn't come at you like that. Or, you know, the term that kids use, coming at me sideways or something like that. But that is, in a nutshell, why we as grown-ass women should take time to do social-emotional learning, which is why I specialize in social-emotional learning for adults. You see the buzz term all over grade school and, and high school. What? No one's talking about it from the point of view of adults. And we as adults need social emotional learning more than we need anything else, I think. Right. Absolutely. And so if you didn't kind of get these skills as a child or as a teenager, like we can't go back. We can't change that. But we can, from this moment on, start to incorporate some of the things that you teach. If you could share one thing that a woman could do today to be a better communicator, to be somebody who's aligned with social emotional learning, what would that be? That would be listening. I always tell my clients and people that I speak with that as adults, we tend to listen to defend rather than listening to understand. So a lot of people, I'm a good listener, but if you notice, they're actually finishing our sentences for us. Or in my culture, from the Bahamas, sometimes we just jump right in and talk over each other. Now, right. that has become effective because as a cultural group, we know how to do that. But here in America, a lot of times they have to remember that I'm not speaking to a cultural group of grown-ass women, and I have to back up because they're like, wait, I'm not done. And sometimes they take offense. Whereas if I do the same thing in my cultural group, it's not taken as an offense. So to get back to your question... The best thing that we can do is listen to understand. Even if we've heard it a hundred times before, even if we don't want to hear it for the first time, even if we know that this person is trying to antagonize us, is trying to get on our last nerve, is trying to push a button, we listen. And I tell my clients, while you're listening, try a little bit of what I call choice theory. So in your mind, you say, at this moment, I choose to place myself in a better place while I'm listening to this dumbass. Tell me something that I don't want to hear. And so, in that moment, you have to, you have to repeat that right there. <laughs> Putting yourself in a better place while the dumbass speaks. Like, so right. we don't have to correct the dumbass per se. Exactly. <laughs> and that's part of another avenue of my social emotional learning training, which comes from the choice theory. And choice theory is about using the power within us to make the mm. best decision for that moment. And in that moment, your best decision is, please let me put myself 
in a place where I can listen to all this crap that's going to get me nowhere, keep a smile on my face, count to 10, and then say something that is going to bring about a positive interaction, even if it doesn't bring about a real solution. Right. I like that. The idea of creating a positive situation experience, even if there's not a solution. That's that's pretty powerful. Yes. What I find to be challenging is that there are so many women over 40 who have never had a voice, have never spoken up, don't even say what they want for dinner, never mind speak up in their business, speak up in their family. So you know, there's this wave and this movement that I absolutely love of us showing up and speaking up. How do we know when to find our voice, to speak up, and when to sit back and listen and understand that there is going to be no solution to this problem? If I am in the grocery store and someone rushes up to me and bumps into me, I have to choose in that moment to let them know that I am there. But in today's world, the way that I choose that could be the difference between life and death. In the professional setting, the way that I choose to speak up is also a matter of life and death. But it's not the physical interaction of a shopping cart shoving into me. But in my mind, again, Going now to something that I call boundary dynamics, which is another aspect of my social emotional learning training. Boundary dynamics is what boundary am I setting so that I can interact, mm. communicate, and respond professionally. Then I tell my, my professional women, power women, women who are struggling in particular in a man's world. They already think that you are a bitch. They already think that you do not belong here. They already think that you did something untoward to get this position. Mm. Therefore, you have to absorb that, process it, put it aside, and then come from the place that you know you deserve to be here, that you worked hard, that no, you didn't know someone, no, you didn't sleep with someone, no, you did not do anything other than work hard to get there. Now, right. we have the other uh, aspect where you have these powerful women out in the workforce, then they have to go home and be submissive to their significant others. And mm. that is a struggle that then causes an imbalance such that these women have a hard time knowing when to turn the switch on or off. So at home, they automatically turn the switch off because they value that environment. And my, my mantra for my company is control what you value, value what you control. So they're mm. controlling that environment at home because they value it. They value the work environment, but they're not going to control it as much because they realize that, hey, this is a job. This is what I need to do. I've got my credentials hanging on the wall. I'm just going to do this thing here. Now I'm going to go home. I'm going to lose all of this power and I have to be submissive. And that brings about a turmoil that causes you to have one disgruntled, crappy, dysfunctional, grown-ass woman, such that if you do bump into her in the grocery store, it's probably going to be a fight. It's probably going to get physical. Yeah. Well, I mean, you make a great point because we're under so much pressure in all these different areas that sometimes it's just a straw. And it seems like what a crazy reaction in a public space 
But in actuality, we've been keeping our shit together for a long, long time. Exactly. That is exactly right. And then when it comes right down to it, we look around and we go, well, what did I do? What, what's the problem? And you know, you have the proverbial uh, Karen or, or the, I'm not sure what the African-American version of that would be, Lucretia maybe. But <laughs> you have this thing where these people are acting out and then they're looking around as if they're shocked that we are responding to them with shock. But what did I do wrong? Because in their mind, in their jobs, where they are powerful, this is how they take control. Or in their little social group, this is how they take control. Then in their intimate setting or in their relationship, they don't have that same control. And so they're looking for every aspect outside of that relationship to control. And therein again brings about the dysfunctionality of the grown-ass women that we see out there being dysfunctional. Yeah. I mean, I see videos of some women and I'm like, whoa, you just like lost your mind. Um, And then I see other women and I can see the pain. Yes. The pain just like this was the the straw and they just couldn't keep it in anymore and they just lost it. And it, it, it does make me sad that, you know, we all have our phones and we're ready to flip it up as opposed to say like, Hold on. <laughs> let me let me help you through this. This is not as serious, but but we're just I feel like we've lost empathy. We've lost the ability to see when someone is in a moment. Don't get me wrong, there are plenty of other women that I'm like, uh, you I, I'm glad that <laughs> there was video because this is clearly not the first time you've done this and and put it out there. Right. But there are some women of all cultures and backgrounds and who I just sometimes see and I just feel terrible for. Do you feel that at all? Absolutely. Not only do I feel that, but I have experienced that. I've experienced it where I've risked life and then to physically hold a woman and say, breathe, calm down. This is a woman at, at one of the places that I worked at, the state where I was a full-time um, instructional coach. And I just had to, she just lost it in the classroom, but I just had to hold her and say, Calm down. It's not going to change just because freak out. Let's let's back up and talk about it. And I can just feel her just collapse and surrender. And I'm a little person, and she was really big when I was in. I mean, I did self defense training years ago, so that kind of helped. I could feel her do that. Now, like you, I have seen women in person at or video, and then when you get the backstory of it. People are like, well, she's always been this way, and, and I'm trained to listen for these little developmental things, for these little circumstances that keep happening. And I said, I can see how this happened. So I do empathize with them, with these women, and I agree with you. Empathy is a dying art, if not almost extinct. I work now in a uh, non-traditional school with a small group of, of students that, that come to us yeah, behavioral issues, et cetera. And of course, I am there on the team. I'm their licensed science teacher, but we are also all trained and we focus more on social emotional learning than anything else. And when I talk to these young people about empathy, they look at me like it's not something that clicks at all. I've worked in four states and seven school districts over 26 years. And the students that we're getting now, empathy has been. Um, less and less expressed 
and done in, in the higher grades, but now mm. in the very lower grades, you're seeing that children have no empathy. And sadly, these children are being raised by a whole bunch of grown-ass women, mostly dysfunctional. So you mentioned being submissive at home. Um, I don't think I got that message. <laughs> um, so what does that look like for you? When I was married, mm-hmm. <laughs> and when it was letting my ex-husband take the lead on decisions. Mm. What, what we were going to eat, where we were going to live, um, what we were going to buy, what kind of car we were going to buy, et cetera, et cetera. I only had one thing that I refused to submit to or against, and that was my education. Before I got married, I had one quote-unquote prenuptial uh, thing. I said, I don't care how many kids we have, when the last child gets five, I'm going back to school. Back mm. then in the Bahamas, we only had a two-year coverage, so I wouldn't have to commute between the Bahamas and Florida. That's how, I, that's how I ended up being divorced because it was, no, you're not going then. If you go to school, I'll divorce you then. If you don't drop out of school, I'll divorce you. And then after doing 120 credits in two calendar years, yes, wow. I got the transcript to prove it. Oh my gosh. The weekend of graduation with the party and everything being, being planned, it was, you see these papers? I had these divorce papers drawn up in case you step out of line. And that's when I completely stopped being submissive because I said, go ahead and file it. And I left the Bahamas, came back to the U.S. For, with $500, a new college degree, and two young children. Wow. And the rest is history. The wow. rest is history. All alone. Petitioning the immigration. I, I ended up staying in the same apartment that I had when I was in college because the landlady, she thankfully was a grown-ass woman with the right mentality. She said, I saw the kind of woman that you were when you were in school. You and your kids could stay here as long as you need to, as I know you're going to get a job. And then going down to the immigration, back in those days, you went down to the immigration and you rang the bell at the gate and (laughs) the security guard comes out and says, what do you need? And you ask for whatever form it. The man gives you advice and then you go in and you see the people and you you get a petition going, and, and even though I was, we were in immigration limbo for years and years, we always had a petition that could keep us legal, that could keep me having a work permit. Mm. I moved around a lot because I had to stay one month ahead of my expiring work permit every year. I didn't have time to build relationships or have friends. I've been in this country for 26 years full-time, 28 years including the time I spent in school, I can tell you one best friend that I have, one community that I that I I belong to. Thankfully, I always go back to when I was that little girl who would hide away and read and find a mm. way to strengthen myself. And so again, comes back to that child dropping the toy. And how do we instill in that young individual the kind of adult they could be? Because we don't know where life's gonna take us. If we've learned anything from being grown-ass women, it's to expect the unexpected. So what's the first step in becoming the woman we truly want to be? I assume the first way to really double down on social-emotional learning as a grown-ass woman is to want to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what a lot of you listeners by heart know is that as far as human development in the brain goes, 
after the age of six, we are set in our ways. And the only way that we will change after that is if we choose to change. The problem is that we have pressures from group dynamics, the people that we hang out with, social media, just the world around us to have a certain appearance. And so why should we change if it's going to give us less attention? The Mm. average person, the average woman, is not going to choose a solo existence because they can't function without the attention. People like myself who are ambiverts, I spend 100% of my time alone unless I am working. People say, well, how do you do that? I'm a long-distance runner, so I run every morning. I read, I watch TV, I write. I'm always entertained. I'm always fulfilled. Matter of fact, if I had to give up any of my free time, like, no, I just want to stay at home, you know? But the average person is competing for attention. And so mm. instead of learning social emotional learning skills, they're actually adding to the social decay of society. But because of the lack of empathy, they're defensive. So how do they start? It starts with choice. How can I choose to be different? Why should I choose to be different? But again, if they look around and came to the right and Kanisha to the left and Sally in the middle, everybody is doing it. They have to choose to be strong enough to be different. And that's Hmm. a hard thing to do in today's society. Yeah. So they have to want to change and they have to be willing to be different in order to change. Because you're right, like our sisters, our neighbors, our even our be- long-term best friends aren't necessarily on board when we're ready to make personal changes. Do you see a lot of that? I see a lot of that. There's a lot of clients. I had a client some years ago from the islands, was pressured, was being pressured into getting married. She felt us now, hey, I'm 25. I want to just live my life. I want to start this real estate company. I want to do these things. I don't want to be married. What? In my culture, I was one of the last people to get married, and I got married at 22. And people were like, well, you're an old lady. Wow. When you have that kind of dynamic, it's going to be like, well. And now in today's society, like like, uh, my sons are in their mid and late 30s, and in their groups, they have a small group that, hey, we want to get everything together before we get married and have kids. But the average 30-some-year-old has already married and have seven kids. And so mm-hmm. you're looking around and you're trying to find that one anchor, that one person within your group dynamics that's going to be able to say, girl, you are a grown-ass woman. Go out there, do your thing, and I'm not going to judge you for it. But that is a hard thing to come by because the average grown-ass woman says, who you think you are? Why you acting so different? You're not in the way we used to be. Now, people like myself, who have always been a book nerd, who's always been solo, who's always been just different, we have come up with the vernacular of just being referred to as a weird person. Well, you know this Marilyn, she's different. She's, she's always been that way. And when I got my PhD, I'm like, well, you know, you were always a little smart. So nothing that I do gives any kind of accolades like, hey, yay, good job. <laughs> so that's the other extreme. 
with how many grown-ass women are strong enough to be like me, to be that woman who says, I'm going to keep pushing even if I don't get the accolades, the pat on the back. Not very many. And so that's why they're going to go along with the group dynamics to get that validation, to get that inclusion, to feel good. You make a great point because you were a certain age when you started to show the signs of being different. And so they were able to adjust years and years ago, right? And so I see these women over 40 who maybe have been mom or they've been working in the office, you know, or they've been doing the same thing for many, many years, but they want to shake it up. And so how do they get everybody on board or not care that anybody's on board because, you know, you had all those years for everyone to say, oh, that's just Marilyn, but they now want to break free, but I think are afraid of the reaction to them breaking free. It starts with self-love and self-acceptance. And the average grown-ass woman listening right now is going to say, well, that's a cliche. No, it is not. Another mantra that I use within my company's book, it's not what we are, but who and how we are. And the mm. average 40-something-year-old who is seeking to change, inevitably, deep down inside, they have always been that person that they want to be. Yes. But instead of embracing who and how they work externally, they have been busy being a what. If you speak to the average woman, and you say, tell me about yourself. They're going to tell you a whole bunch of what's. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I have yes. a business. I drive Our a roles, car. Right? I have kids. I... They're going to tell you a lot of what's. And so I always ask my clients, like, who are you? Who are you? And the average person cannot tell you who they are because mm. they have suppressed that who in order to satisfy everybody with the what's of the world. Because the average wow. person, again, cannot handle who in how you are. Girl, you acting brand new. What's your problem? <laughs> and you can't find the words to say, no, I'm not brand new. This is who and how I've always been. Uh, a, a good example of that would be women in their, their later years who've been married, had kids, have grandkids, and they come out as homosexual women. Well, where did this come from? It's always been, it's, it's always been, who and I, no, 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 girl, you might be watching TV or listening to this or et cetera. So like you say, unless they've had that courage, I just think you beat up because I wanted to read all the time because I wanted to mm. be in the library. I'd climb up in the roof, go in the ad, I'd go anywhere just to read because I always wanted to escape my surroundings of impoverishment and just go to a different place. Yeah. And so... I was never afraid as a grown-up of almost 60 years of what people would think about because I got that validation from within. So you ask the question, how can women do it? First of all, they have to accept who and how we are. Then they have to validate themselves. Once you validate yourself, then whatever people say will matter. Now, some women who are listening to that, girl, I got to pay my bills. I am a grown-ass woman, but I need to hit on these folks. They do this for me or they do that for me. Or I have to stay in this relationship because I need this or I need that. Those are tangibles. Even with a tangible situation, you can make choices. You can give yourself a time frame. Say, 
I'm growing from within. I want to be who and how I am. I want to express this externally. You know, I know that it means I'm probably going to be homeless or without a car. So give yourself a time frame. I'm going to mm. go back to school. I'm going to get another job. I'm going to slowly work this into my life so that the tangibles can support my intangible self and so I can work towards becoming complete. Okay, so that's a great plan because there are many women who would just blow up their lives, right? Because we we hit that breaking point. And so maybe they walk out, they change their they quit their job, they do whatever, and then they have so much regret because they need to make money, you know, they need yes. to live somewhere. And so creating a goal with a time frame, so it's not just like a oh, someday, right, but, you know within the next two years, within the next three years, whatever it is, start stashing some money away or, you know, start looking at other places to live or whatever it is. So then you can slowly make that shift. It's so important to always have something to look forward to in your life, however big or small. And so I think that that's really powerful to start taking small steps toward that. Absolutely, Jackie. And we have to be honest with ourselves. We may fall down. We may falter. We may not be successful. I'm living proof of that. You know, I wanted to start my business and just let it take care of me. I want to be, you know, my, my, my second life is running. I, I, I wanted to make it my first life. I needed to support that habit. So I said, well, if I work for myself, I can, I don't have to get up and 30 in the morning and go out for a run before work. I can run right. at 10 o'clock in the day because I'm a client. But I didn't have that support. We never had. And even mm-hmm. though on social media, it was all the girl, I love what you're doing with your company. You're... It wasn't there. I wouldn't even get a like or a share about something I posted, much less a customer. Then I fell on my friends. I literally, I was down to no money practically living in my SUV and going to truck stops and renting those little cubicles and showering and going to the next little job in this town and that town. And then I had to step back and I had to say, you know what? You are a licensed professional. Go back to work as a teacher. Regroup. A part of me was like, oh yeah, they're going to say, girl, look at you thinking you know this, you know that, you know whatever. And if I had listened to the external voices or or the potential for external voices. I don't know where I would have been today. So I had to remember to validate myself, to accept my failures, but to stay focused. And I'm still not there yet where I can completely work self-sufficient. I'm still not there. So as my son says, I'm bootstrapped. You know, I have a full-time job. But at the same time, I'm getting the satisfaction. And I say to myself, I am in a good place. The average grown-ass woman, like you said, is not what they have to make a plan. Dr. Simmons suggests not only making a plan, but adding to that plan as we see progress, tweaking and growing as we go. Every year I run the year, which is I've run that amount of miles or more every year. Mm. I sign up before the year ends. I finished 2021 in October. So then I set a new goal, get 2,200 miles for the year. Then I signed up for the new year. Then I, I started a running streak because I was becoming complacent in my running 10 years ago. So I decided I will run every day a minimum of a mile for a year. Well, that turned into 10 years. January 1st, 2022 will be 10 years that I've never missed a day of running. 
I've run the what? year wait, every wait, year wait. since. What? <laughs> Ten years? Make a goal. Make a plan. <laughs> stick to it. I run in the rain, snow at night, morning, after dinner, before breakfast. I get out there and I do wow. it. And people look at me and they go, well, you're different. You're weird. You're, you're not the average woman. And I say to them, on the contrary, I am the average woman. An average woman who is not afraid of stepping out alone. If we mm. as grown-ass women can just give up the fear of being by ourselves, we have become so tangibly wrapped up in tangibles that we've lost sight of who we are. So that's my number one message. Yes. Be yourself first. I love that. And you are absolutely right. We don't even look at a sunset anymore, right? We look at a sunset through a camera lens. Exactly. Like we're not actually experiencing each other. We're just like constantly the filter of how will this appear to other people outside of this. Exactly. And I say to people, grown-ass women in particular, I say to them, if you have this habit of photographing and documenting, continue it. I started photographing and documenting with a 35 millimeter camera way back before I had kids in the late 70s and the early 90s. I've always, I've got so many hard copies of pictures, now digital pictures. I document every aspect of my life. When I make up a plate of food, I take a picture of it. When I go for a run, I take a picture of the trees. But you wouldn't see that stuff on social media. Oh. Now, I was on social media for a little bit. Then I got on. Then I got back on. I was documenting by way of running. These people were like, oh, yeah, you're, you're running every day. It motivates us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then I had those people who I weren't trying to reach. And they would have the little comments. But then, would, you know, they wouldn't comment on life. But then they would get in your inbox and aware, you know, nobody needs to know that you're eating this. Why are you trying to make me feel better? Because we're messy. Grown-ass <laughs> women are messy. And then I got on social media for a while. So then people were like, oh, yeah, that's my, my, my family members, my, my uh, sisters in particular. Well, where's Marilyn? We haven't seen her. She thinks she got good enough for us. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> so it's like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. When I still take pictures, I take video, I have so much stuff. Matter of fact, my most recent book is a compilation of pictures that I've taken throughout my life, what I was ex- for the last 15, 20 years, what I was experiencing, the ups, the downs, and everything wow. as a mantra of what I went through. There's a picture that I was running along the trail and I took a picture, and I remember that day, it was when I realized that my business was not going to take off. I just wanted to go into the bushes and just lay down and die and be like, you know, nobody cares, etc. But I had my camera, and I used that moment to look at that trail and say, wow, it's beautiful. It was um, late spring, and the trees were coming in all nice and fluffy, and the trail was pretty... Instantly, I shifted my focus. Whereas the average person, they're either going to be on social media with the mess or with the sadness or with something that they're going to share to the wrong audience. Sure, if you're feeling upset, find someone to talk to. Social media is not it. Because those people are just there for your entertainment. I just read a sad, uh, not so sad, but a sad piece from George Clooney. 
he just published oh, yeah. a piece and he said when he had his motorcycle accident, people were videotaping him there on the ground when his last thought was this might be his last moment on earth and they still saw him as entertainer. So I say to grown-ass women, in my best social emotional learning advice, Stop making yourself entertainment and looking to people to guide you and advise you or mm. think that these people care about you because you're just their entertainment. And I chose to stop being people's entertainment, even probably at the detriment of my business growing, because I realized that while I was sharing posts about my business, nobody was sharing them. You know, I had to yeah. buy likes from Facebook or or whatever. It's like, why am I doing this with 2,000 old followers and, and no one's helping me out? No one's liking my page. No one's doing that. So as grown-ass women, we need to make two columns. What's positive from this? What's not positive from it? And then we have to look at these and make a choice. Because if you're not positive, there's a high risk, and nine times out of ten will be, then you need to say, I need to rid other choices. Remember, choice yes. theory, choosing to do things that will change your trajectory for the good. Choice theory. Define that again. Choosing to make choices that are going to change your trajectory for the good. I love that. I just posted something on Instagram the other day that was like, if you want to support a small business, you don't have to spend a dime. Right. You know, share their post, like it, give them a shout out, a, a rating, a review, just share it with someone that you love. Like, it doesn't take that. But I don't understand. If I put a picture of one of my kids up on social media, you know, I get 100 likes. If I put like, there's a new podcast episode that I talked to Dr. Marilyn, who's absolutely brilliant. You know, yes, the right women care. But I don't know what it is. What is your theory behind like, why aren't people engaging with content like that? Coming right down to it and looking grown-ass women in the face, the reason they're not doing it, it is envy. Because they see what you can be. And for whatever reason, mm. they don't want you to be that. Because they know that deep down inside, they are trapped. They haven't made the choice to be free. A couple of years ago, somewhere I was speaking somewhere, and afterwards, someone came up to me and they were like, oh, you were up there on stage and you were walking around in those five-inch heels and talking about all this theory. And all I can think about is, what if you fell down? And I said, and the reason that you're standing here now, waiting in line, you waited in line to talk Tell to me. me. This. And the reason that you're telling me this is because you cannot find anything positive because you have imprisoned the good inside of you. Wow. Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'll just say that you're up there and you just, you know, and it could come across like you just think you're better than other people. And I said to her, I said, with all due respect, and this is the part, remember what I said earlier? You listen. And then in your mind, you're like, let this grown-ass woman speak. That's what I did. And then I said, I'm sorry. What you saw was freedom. But because you don't recognize it, you're giving it a different label. I said, all I am wow. is free. 
And what I give you is freedom. And if you choose freedom, everything else falls into place. That is powerful. So you choose freedom, you share your gifts, you put yourself out there in the world, and anyone else's respond really is none of your damn business. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly right. And if it means that you're going to live off of beans, which I have done, or mm. practically live in your car, which I have done, I still ran through it, sang through it, smiled through it. And yes, there were times when I broke down, I cried, and I called my sons, and I wanted to have, like, just this hissy fit, like, why isn't someone rescuing me? You're my boys, and you should rescue me. And then they got angry, and they should, because when I stepped back and refocused and resettled and recentered myself, I realized they don't owe me anything just because they are my children. That's mm. the way that I raised them. I raised them to be positive, to be focused, to be self-validating, to be self-centered to the point of being as healthy as you can be. And right. once I realized that, I'd have to accept that. So a lot of times people say, speaking slightly about my relationship with my sons or what, well, you're just out there and they're doing whatever. I said, yeah, but that's their life. That's yeah. the life that I help them to build. They don't owe me anything. Then you have grown-ass women who dominate the males in their life, the sons in their life, because a lot of times they can't dominate the males in their relationships. And mm. these sons grow up to be dysfunctional. How many times have we heard about men who are just brutal, and they blame it on who? Their mothers. We just had a sad case in the metro Atlanta area, Thanksgiving Day, where an 18-year-old kid stabbed his mother to death. And while that was such a tragic story, my social emotional learning brain started turning. Because how many times have I seen these kids in a public school with the mothers defending their actions? Oh, that's my boy. You're not going to talk to me. You're not going to take his phone. You're not going gonna. to. And so then we have this duality where we as grown-ass women want to be dysfunctional. We're pouring it into the males that we're raising in addition to the women that we're raising, the females mm -hmm. that are going to also be grown-ass dysfunctional women. So we are we're just we're contributing to social decay from both genders, from both sides, and all because we don't want to just stop and choose to just go inside. I tell people, just go for a walk and go inside. Put on some music. Listen to what's happening inside. People say to me, well, you spend so much time alone. I couldn't be that much alone. And I say to people, if you don't like your old company, why should somebody else like your own company? <laughs> and that's not original to me. I don't know where I heard it. But yeah. I don't want to be around you if you don't want to be around. Right. And then that's where we have the other aspect of abuse of, of drugs and alcohol and sex and everything else because anything that's going to take us away from facing who we are as women because we are the ones who dictate what's happening in society. Mm. We are those people. And we have to choose, going back to, to, to choice theory, we have to choose to be more responsible with the roles that we have been given. 
When's the last time you enjoyed your own company? I know for me, I'll admit I'm often looking for outside stimulus to occupy my brain or distract me. But Dr. Simmons' words are a great reminder to take time, even a minute, and remember that all we need in life already lives inside of us. What I'm hearing you say is no matter where you go, no matter what happens to you, location doesn't matter, situation doesn't matter. If you have you, you're going to be okay. Exactly. And it doesn't mean that it will always be easy. You Mm -hmm. will cry. You will feel anger. But you always have to remember to center yourself. Like I said, the time that I lost it most was when I realized in 2016 that I had failed. And after four years of trying and running out of money and texting my sons and saying, I don't know what I'm going to do and why aren't you all here? And then I had to step back and say, they don't owe you anything. Yeah, it was a bit of build swamp. It was hard. But I had raised them right because before I had to, I always asked, I prayed for sons because I wanted to add good men to this world. And I added good men to this world. But in that small little period of time, when I felt that these good men would be something, and I wanted to like just go ballistic in my mind, you know, and then when I, when one of them got married, I was, I was momzilla. And I had to say, wait, 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 step back, step back, recenter, recenter. So as you said, as long as you have you, yes. But as long as you have the ability to recenter yourself when you get uh, to be a crazy grown-ass woman. You have to find a way to come back. And it's not easy. And people are always going to judge you. And I always look around and be like, what is this one thinking? What is that one thinking? But then I have to block it out. And because I have a place of peace, not only within me spiritually and virtually, but also physically, I have a place that I can come to. I am alone. I'm not being alone. I love just recentering myself preparing myself to go back out into the world because I owe that much to myself. And if I can be an example to grown-ass women to say, hey, get crazy, but always have that place that centers you. But you can't do that if you are so external that you are focusing on everybody else except yourself. Right. The average person, Jackie, does not do self-talk. They grew group talk. They do social media talk. They do memes. They do emojis. They don't do self-talk. And like Mm. I said earlier, if you don't like your own company, why should I like it? And if you can't talk to yourself, how are you going to talk to me? If you're interested in understanding your own social emotional learning, Dr. Simmons offers life coaching and her camp achievement program, which starts with an assessment instrument that helps you find your best attributes across 96 emotional possibilities. The assessment is a powerful first step for all of her coaching seminars and retreats. I even did it myself and it was fascinating. I learned a lot about myself and I highly suggest it. I'll link to it in the show notes at Grown Ass Woman dot guide forward slash episode 158. I'll also include all the ways you can reach out to Dr. Simmons. By the way, did you know that the video version of all of the conversations here on the Grown Ass Woman's Guide are now on YouTube? I'll also link to that channel. So be sure to head over and hit subscribe. Not only can you get every episode, but I'll be adding some original content over there as well. Be sure to check it out. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend, rate and review on your favorite podcast app, or email me at hello at grownasswoman.guide. I'd love to hear what you think. Until next time, you are a grown-ass woman. Act accordingly. Spring has sprung, and with the change of seasons, sometimes comes an increase in vitality. If you're feeling in the mood for a little more personal time, may I suggest Coconut. Coconut is all about providing clean and natural ingredients when you're enjoying your most intimate moments, with or without a partner. Naturally safe products developed by people who are obsessed with quality. Get 15% off with promo code GROWNASS at grownasswoman.guide forward slash coconut. That's 15% off with promo code GROWNASS at grownasswoman.guide forward slash coconut.